Hey everybody, Jim Mallard here. Welcome <coughs> to the Mallard Report. The Mallard Report is recorded in front of a live virtual audience on the Duck Pond. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live. Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things. Robert Clotworthy. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. I want to welcome everybody in this evening, this afternoon, whatever it is, I don't know. I'm so confused, this tie chain has me all backed up and confused. But anyways, number 600 tonight, we'll get into that after a bit here. That's way down the road, just pay attention. <laughs> so, okay, Sarah the Wood Duck finds unique gifts and animal prints at sarahthewoodduck.com. Oh wait, gotta do that, apparently. Um... Let's see. I gotta get that back up. Keep clicking around, I'm missing my ad. Oh, there it is. Uh, Sarah's a PTSD survivor. Created a small business to share the beauty of nature with the world. Support Sarah and her mission today by visiting her at her website and purchasing one of her amazing gifts, sarahthewoodduck.com. <coughs> like I said, I want to welcome everybody in this evening. Uh, my guest tonight is Leslie Mitchell-Clark, based out of Toronto, Canada. Waves hello to all my Canadian friends. She is a <laughs> certified clinical hip hypnotherapist, regressionist, on-air host, actor, and arts journalist, specializes in a number of fields. Of course she does, because she's got a lot going on there, including with work with individuals who feel like they've had extra, have had contact and experiences with extraterrestrials and extraterrestrial beings. <coughs> Welcome in, Leslie, to the show tonight. How are you doing? I mean, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine, Jim. How about yourself? How are things down in the great state of, uh, is it Pennsylvania where yeah, you are? it's Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. Cool. I mean, I can't, I can't say too much, because... Uh, you're in Canada, so I would say cold and snowy, but you'd be like, it's Tuesday, Jim. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Jim. We've got um, nine months of winter and three months of rough sledding. That's what we've got up here. <laughs> but, you know, i got to tell you, I, 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 well, I'm from New York City, so I, I love Philadelphia. And at one time, when our kids were little, we, uh, we, lived, we were living in New York. We had a cottage in... Um, Oh my goodness! Quakertown is the nearest uh, a little town where okay. where we were. It's not far from New Hope, you know, kind of a area where a lot of New York people have little tiny places. It was a crazy place, it looked like dog patch, but anyway. <laughs> but I loved it. So let, let's start. Let's start with. The, let's make sure we're all working with the same same thought. What is hypnosis? Well, hypnosis, believe it or not, is ancient in the extreme. I mean, by so-called recorded history it's over 6,000 years old but if you accept the idea that there were other technological civilizations or advanced civilizations previous to what we're experiencing now it's I, I have no doubt it's even older than that and every 
advanced, every sophisticated culture on the face of the planet seems to have some form of hypnosis that they use. And it's a powerful thing, but the premise is actually, I mean, the science of it is actually fairly simple. If the body gets relaxed enough, and, uh, you know, the Greeks used to give people big opiated drinks before they had hypnosis, so we don't really do that now. But if you can get the body relaxed enough, then that little, you know, veil or curtain or whatever you want to call it that separates the conscious mind, the smallest part of us that we walk around with, and uh, the subconscious mind where all of our behaviors are formed, where our history is carried, the systems that run the body, all of that is happening in the subconscious mind. So if we can get to the subconscious mind, then we can instigate new behaviors that someone wants to adopt and we can also disrupt old negative behaviors because the mind is actually plastic you know it's nothing like what we were you know taught in school years ago that it was in a static state it's not like that at all so hypnosis is a tool that allows us to get the body relaxed and inducted into the alpha state that's where we want people not uh, not awake but not asleep uh, not in the delta state, not asleep. So we try to keep you in alpha. And by doing that, we can speak to the subconscious mind. And as I mentioned, that's also where our, <clears throat> excuse me, where our memories are kept. So, um, if I am doing any kind of regression work, even if it's regression within, <clears throat> you know, this current lifetime, um, it's necessary for me to get the body into a fairly deep state of relaxation. I guess what you could say is that, um, uh, I'm I'm an expert in the language of the subconscious, and if you were having a session, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me, Jim. <clears throat> if you were having a session, one thing you might notice is that I'm pretty much always speaking in the present tense, and that's simply because the subconscious mind doesn't understand linear time, and I think that's because linear time is a construct. And it's not real. So uh, so we don't use any past, present, or future time when we're speaking with the subconscious mind. But this this technique, you know, I can I can help people with so many different issues. I can help them recuperate from illnesses, battle cancer, um, release uh, phobias, and release trauma, and um, uh, adopt new healthy lifestyles, you know, and, and at its most basic, lose weight, quit smoking, any kind of habit you can imagine. So it's um, it's a very powerful technique. So I, I just listened to you say you don't talk about things in the past tense, but I'm going to ask you a question in the past tense because okay, that's what kind of goofy fool I am. What got you interested <laughs> in all this? In what got me interested in this? Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, you know, in all honesty. I about more than 25 years ago now I was I was having like a big midlife crisis <laughs> and I I really wasn't sure what direction I wanted to go in what I wanted to do and you know my dear husband said you know what I'm going to buy you a past life regression I think that you need some insight and that's all it's going to take. So, in fact, uh, it was my birthday and he did buy me a past life regression with a, uh, a, a accomplished uh, hypnotherapist. And the experience was profound. But the big thing that I took away from that is I knew 
in my heart that I could do that kind of work. And probably I have done it in other lifetimes. You know, it was that, it was that strong and that familiar. And so before, you know, that's all it took to end my little, my little uh, midlife crisis. By the way, I did not buy a red convertible or, or get a mistress. <laughs> <laughs> So it ended well. It ended there, but it started there. Yes, indeed, and and so very soon after that, I got my, you know, my basic um, uh, hypnosis training, and then I went on to study uh, metaphysical hypnosis, and all kinds of other certifications occurred. But I began, <clears throat> I began working in the more esoteric areas. I'd say within even a year of of having my my basic training done. So. Let's, let's see this right now. Shifting Gears brought to you by evergreenpodcast.com. Shifting Gears by evergreenpodcast.com. Okay, so I'm shifting gears because I want to talk about extraterrestrials now. So I, I've got you oh. I've got you going down this one path, right? Yeah. When do we um, steal another another famous TV pun here? Cross the streams and get into this whole other realm of, of research and understanding. Okay. Well, the way now I have to say I have always been open to this idea. Um, I had some experiences myself. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Self, <clears throat> particularly when I was a teenager, and um, I do talk about that quite a bit in my recent book, which is called Intersections. But at any rate, um, I always had an interest. So one of the reasons I wanted to do hypnosis was that so I could work in regression work which I found fascinating. Well, um, it wasn't long before I got a job at a pretty snazzy clinic uh, <laughs> in a, in a uh, very, you know, kind of elitist part of town. So, you know, it was a lot of older ladies trying to fight back aging. That's basically what was going on there. So <laughs> they were coming in for emotional facelifts, you know, do what I can. But, um, uh, but about once a month, someone would call in to the clinic and say, you know, I'm a, I'm a teacher, a professor, a doctor, whatever, and I believe that I've had some kind of encounter experience. with I have missing time, blah, blah, blah. And no one else in the clinic wanted to touch this. They didn't want anything to do with it. It was just, and I find this amusing, but just too far out for them, right? You know, I guess past life regression is okay, but... <laughs> When it gets into the areas of ETs, no. So I said, man, bring it on. I'll work with these people. 
I, I, I will, I will be happy to work with these people. And that's really, that's really how it all started. And, um, it wasn't long uh, before I was working in conjunction with uh, MUFON uh, as part of Kathleen Mar- Martin's um, Experience Research Program, and I was involved with that for 10 years, and I also worked with um, um, uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell's uh, Free Experiencers and um, seeing people uh, who were making, you know, reports of encounters and who wanted to have hypnosis. Now I'm working, um, whenever, whenever they ask me to, I'm working with um, Les Velez's organization, which is called Opus, which is wider than just ET experiences, but, uh, but I'm very happy working with them. So before long, I just sort of, the word got out that I was just sort of one of those one of those people, one of those regressionists that was properly vetted and insured and bona fide, zonified, and would and love to do that kind of work. So, before I get, I guess I jumped the gun. Well, this question kind of falls into this, but because I want to go back to something you said, but I'm going to ask this question first. So, there's a okay. follow up for the follow up based. Uh, anyways, <laughs> this is where getting, doing an interview gets fun because you're trying to keep. I've got live chat with questions and my questions, and anyways. First world problems, Jim. Keep it together. Uh, <laughs> Remember, there's no linear time. You're okay. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> so, well, uh, this this question plays perfectly. One of the hardest is: has there ever been a hardest patient, or one you just didn't want to work with? Well, I think ones that I don't want to work with happens not infrequently because, well, Jimmy, you know, in all honesty. Not everybody who contacts me or MUFON or any of these organizations is is an experiencer. There are a certain percentage of people who are experiencing uh, mental health issues. Um, and one thing that I have to do is I have to be able to weed those people out because in in Canada, um, I'm not um, I'm not legally allowed to work with anyone who has been diagnosed with a mental illness. Now, I'm not just talking about depression or something. I'm talking about uh, dissociative disorder, borderline personality disorder, you know, you you name it. If it's been diagnosed or I suspect it, I can't work with those people. And um, and the odd thing is, I mean, I, I think I think someone can be having mental problems and also be an experiencer. But unfortunately, I'm not legally allowed to sort that out uh, where things are now. That's about to change because I'm finishing another master's and I'll be rated as a psychotherapist. So I'll be able to work with anyone I wish to. But I'm always on the I'm always erring on the side of caution. Um, And if I if someone comes to me and they tell me their story and I believe that it's really a mental health issue or possibly some combination of issues I have a whole bunch of colleagues uh, from psychiatrists to psychotherapists and psychologists who are open to the ET contact phenomena who will help these people um, you know in the way in in the way that they need um, that's not that's because if someone has a mental health issue it is considered beyond my scope of treatment. So that's so there are people, and and there are people that um, um, that just don't, you know, just don't 
feel right. Uh, I, I'm everything about my work and where I live, and uh, it's all positive. And I have to keep a certain vibrational level consistent. People have to feel safe when they come to see me. They must feel safe. And there's anybody if anybody comes into my space that makes me feel unsafe, I'm not going to take them as a client. So say to the wood doctor, the lady who I read the ad for popped up. What about PTSD? Um, I work I work an awful lot in PTSD. As a matter of fact, I um I'm a um, associate at a psychology firm that exclusively, oh, not exclusively, but almost exclusively, works with frontline responders. And by that, I mean, um, you know, police officers, a lot of ambulance drivers, EMTs, uh, you you name it. Those those dear people who lay their lives on the line every bloody day have such high rates of PTSD. It's it's incredible. So I do work a lot in those areas. Um is that is that what um yeah, what your so. listener meant? I think okay. so. So yeah. now- and and there's PTSD that happens with some experiences uh of of a highly esoteric nature or experiences of high strangeness there can be PTSD that comes with some of these experiences and i'm able to work with that as well so you mentioned missing time which is a phenomenon that i have experienced ah. strangely enough that's why i wanted to circle back to that i'm not going to bore the listeners that have heard the story before but i'm going to give you the thumbnail sketch so you can be caught up okay um, took the family fishing i wandered off to take pictures you know from across the way because uh-huh. dad doesn't fish because dad doesn't have the patience for fishing <laughs> Which is funny because I enjoy golf, but I can't stand fishing. But anyway, <laughs> my patient. Golf uh, is golf is different. Golf is the game. Golf has I movement. I love golf. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, you you can't put that. I, I love golf. It's it's a, it's zen. Golf yeah. is a zen thing. It is. Golf so has I, movement and chase and done. Like you could. Well, there's still some you're looking. You're moving but, around. You're breathing the fresh air. You're moving around. There are things happening. I love it. Okay, so back back. back okay. To, so I, I sneak over around because we're fishing on a creek that has a bend in it so I can get over and get a good cross the creek, you know, great picture. So I go over there. I spend about, according to my wife, who was with us, about an hour and a half over there. And she's like, were you, you're not, you weren't coming back to help with the kids at all? Like what, you know, she'd give me the ride at. I'm like, I don't remember. Oh my. Like I went, I went over there and just, and she's like, well, did you at least get some good pictures? So I pu- pulled my phone out and I have a picture of my feet and a picture of some rocks. Really? Yep. Which and did so, not add to my case that, you know. <laughs> it didn't help, right? It didn't help. <laughs> not what we call probative evidence. Yeah. No good. <laughs> <laughs> did not help my case at all. <laughs> well, it, it certainly is incredibly intriguing. I mean, it, unless you had some type of psychotic break or a seizure or <clears throat> some type of medical situation, what happened during that hour and a half? I you know, no... I mean, it's it, well, that's the kind of thing that I love to explore. So there you go. Yeah, so I had to tell you that because it's still, it's still kind of, I don't want to say it bothers me, but yeah. it's not well, comforting. It's, it's bothersome because it's, it's, it, uh, I mean, there was no psychotic break, there was no bonk on the head, no amnesia. Something happened during that time and I assume when you took a picture of your shoes and your at a rock you were probably standing up could you tell if you were standing up from yeah, the pictures yeah yeah well that's even 
stranger, isn't it? Yeah, like it wasn't like, I, I mean, and the worst part is, you know, I'm walking along this creek, right? And then I'm feet away from, well, drowning. Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't going to let that happen. <laughs> well, no, but. But, but, but it is, but it is, uh, it is really what I would call an episode of High Strangeness. Was there anything else that you noticed? Was there anything about your clothing or is, was there any other other little evidentiary no. thing? No? Nope. Just lost an hour and a half. Well, I bet you were in the doghouse, all right. Yeah, I was going to say. not <laughs> the, the pictures did me no favors. <laughs> at least I should have got at least one of them across the way. That's right. The Casa de Perro for you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can dig it. Well, I, you know, if you ever had the, the inclination, I can do this work on Skype. And we could peek in there and see what we could find so just let me know okay uh, i don't know if i'm ready for all that but um well, well the, at, at any time it's okay. an open invitation okay uh, <laughs> so you mentioned working for all these different groups um how hard is that to keep track of because i know when i like when i book and guests and you have a show as well we'll get into that here in a minute mm-hmm. how do you keep track of what's going on because i know i get so lost in trying to keep track of where things are of who and Mm. Well, I think that, um, you know, I, I don't have an assist. I make all my appointments myself and, um, I have online ca- calendars for different things that I do. And, uh, I also have plain old analog, oh, a no. plain old analog date book. I do. I so do. do I. <laughs> and the thing is, and I'm going to, I want your listeners to really understand this because it's true. When you actually write something with your hand physically, your brain exudes a little chemical that sort of ensures that that whatever you're writing will be maintained in a memory engram because that's a chemical reaction, remembering stuff. So it's, um, it's really, really true. That is true. So you should write, if you really need to remember something, you know, it's good to write it down physically and you're, it will, it will become a better part of your, uh, uh, awareness. The best way to remember things is uh, get a pen that doesn't work and write it twice. Any amount of times you want to write it, it's going to help. That's an, in, that's an inside joke for somebody I know who's listening. My phone will probably be bouncing in about a minute. So just so you know, um, so you, you mentioned the book, and I mentioned the show. Why don't you, before we get, because we've got a whole bunch of UFO, very specific questions that people want to ask you. Okay, which is, which is great, ask but, away. But I want to make sure we get you promoted, because I know if I don't right now, take advantage of this few minutes to get it done. We'll be at the end of the show, and I'll be like, hey, you've got a website. See you later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jim. Well, I will tell you, I I would love to hear from uh, your listening audience. Um, I am always available uh, by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y, at lightworkhypnosis.com. And that's all one word, lightworkhypnosis.com. And even if you just want to run something by me or share something, you know, I I always will get back. It might take me a couple of days, but I always get back to all, everyone who reaches out. So I, I love that. Now you can also find me on Facebook, either as Leslie Mitchell Clark or Lightwork Hypnosis, and um, and also there's a Facebook page for um, my little radio show in its twelfth year, and that is Our Contact TV on Facebook. So, and uh, let's see. So the new book is called 
It's called Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact, and it is um, released on the Promethea Press label, and it's available on Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, wherever you Amazon, the book is available. (laughs) (laughs) Even in the Amazon. (laughs) I was going to say, you know, I I didn't realize... Selfishly, didn't realize that until somebody sent me from a link from Canada, and it was Amazon.ca, and I went, "What's that all about?" And I know I real- it. It probably is, well, it is actually another country, and uh, you know, you know us. We're sort of like the nice family above the biker bar. That's kind of. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell on myself right now. I, I love Canadians, and so. You're not that far. I'm not. You're not I, that it would take me nine hours. To, <laughs> that's all to get so, to you. So there, yeah, there's great. Okay, so obviously hockey, maple syrup, right? And uh, mm-hmm. last week or so, I've got into the Red Green Show. Oh, it's funny, isn't it? It is. Oh hilarious. man, we've got a lot of funny TV. Remember, this is like ground zero for some of the finest Canadians and 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 comedy writers that have ever lived. And it's uh, you know the second city is uh, still um, running, going great guns up here, great improv comedy, and anyway. There you go. Yeah. So uh, he, he, he got me thinking about a because he's got those little taglines like uh, "keep your stick on the ice" and uh, <laughs> you know like I've been thinking. I, I, now I'm thinking I need one of those. Like so I don't know. You what need mine... a good. You need a good tagline. Yeah. So yeah, you need a good tagline. That's 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 uh, that's always that's something we can think about for a bit. Yeah. So okay. So I've got one more question before we get into UFOs. This is about past lives. How okay? It drives me nuts because people on Facebook will send me this message and they want to come up people on Facebook. They don't send me emails, right? It's just the people on Facebook. And they're, mm-hmm. I'm discriminated against them at this point because they're just the ones mm-hmm. that have this great story about their past life. And they were either, um, Cleopatra, Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> um, it's all these women, by the way. Yeah. Like, no one's yeah. ever Caesar or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time somebody said I was Marilyn Monroe in a past life, my studio would look a lot better than it does right now. Ah, well, you know, in in uh, in all the years I've been doing this, um, Jim, uh, do you know how many people have uh, claimed to be famous uh, characters from history? Well, more than I care. Like I said, if you had a dollar for each no, one of them, no, you'd be surprised. Actually, none. Really. I'll have to yeah. start pouring them to you. I, I think, <laughs> but I think the people who are are seriously pursuing this. Um, I don't know. It's it, it. just it's that's just. I never seem to come up with anybody who was, um, you know, who was really famous in some way. But that being said, um, if any, if your if your listeners are interested, you can go on YouTube and um, there was a show produced by the CBC, that's like our government, brought, like the BBC, the CBC, and it's called Past Life Investigation. And my teacher, my great teacher and mentor, Georgina Cannon, she did all of the, um, all of the inductions and all of the regression work for this television show. So the idea is they were looking for regressions where they could find some type of corroborating evidence, if you will, right? So, uh, so I don't know how many uh, processes she went through. Many, like you know, thirty, forty 
um, uh, regression processes. And out of that, maybe they thought 15 were okay. And then out of that, I believe they picked only four for this actual program. But the four cases that they that they explored <clears throat> did have, they did find supporting evidence. So um, it's again, it's called it's called past life investigation and um it's on youtube and it was something produced by the uh, the cbc oh wow wow 20 years ago maybe longer but it's still valid so this is a ufo question that i had scribbled on my sheet from one of my listeners have you ever had an experience here that had any physical proof of their experience yes um <clears throat> i have seen many unusual scars that have been shown to me by my clients that are triangular in shape. Um, I have not seen these, but some of my male clients have reported scoop marks on their, or a scoop mark on their genitalia that just appeared one morning. I've heard about that. I have um, sometimes been able to feel implants because they are so close to the skin to the top layer of the skin um what else have i seen um uh the triangular thing appears again and again and again um now again i'm not sure if that is because i think we have a number of things going on here jim not only are we engaging with different species in positive ways but some of these events um, are are happening in our etheric bodies. In other words, I think they're communication events rather than physical traveling. So we've got that. We also have the physical events where individuals are taken on board craft and given rides and engage and, and uh, this, that, and the other. And, and then I believe that um, we also have a... Uh, a secret space program, a black ops program, if you will, that really began after the Roswell crash, which is our ground zero for modern ufology. And the Roswell crash resulted in ET contact that then resulted in what we call the Truman Agreement, uh, which was an agreement made by Harry Truman with uh, the Zeta Reticulites, who are your, your typical greys, and they wanted to give us uh, some advanced technology in exchange for uh, DNA, which they wanted to take from the citizens of the world. And Harry Truman agreed to it. Eisenhower continued with it. And so many of these upsetting stories that we have heard from the 50s and 60s about uh, individuals being really kidnapped and examined and having ovum taken and sperm taken, a lot of that is confined to a certain time period and also to a certain group of ETs. Now, what I believe, and if anyone's interested in that particular uh, period of time, there's a wonderful book called um, uh, The Day After Roswell by uh, Philip Corso, Captain Philip Corso. 
And he explains how when this technology from the ETs was delivered, and you know, I'm I'm talking about stuff like fiber optics and uh, and um, y- you know um, uh, integrated circuits and uh, and uh, Velcro. <laughs> That's <laughs> but when this technology was was delivered, it was you know it was all reverse engineered, and that and and a bit was given to you know the guys at Hughes Skunk Works, like you figure that out, and some guys over here and the another place, you guys figure that out, and uh, I think many of the people working on this advanced technology thought that it was probably Russian because all of this ET tech that had been given to us was under the military office of foreign technology and boy was it <laughs> so we so we have a few things going on we have a we have a multi-billion zillion dollar secret space program that has been involved with you know having cadets and training and and all of the above and um and then we also have other types of experiences with beings from all kinds of places and i think some of them are even interdimensional okay so <laughs> i i got to ask this because i hear so much of this so you said basic grays which means there's advanced grays there are all kinds of grays there are grays that are that are uh, that are benign and that uh, that are uh, uh, on a diplomatic basis with both the governments of Canada and the U.S. Um, there are grays from a place called Planet Serpo that are a little taller. Little... So there are there are there are all kinds of gray species, as I understand it, and um, and most of them are. Uh, you know, have uh, what we would call human DNA. They are hybrids themselves. And, I, and I've also often suspected that some of the greys, like the smaller greys that seem to be involved in a lot of abductions, like they'll come in and they'll open a vortice and they'll take someone out. I'm not sure that they are fully biological. I think it's possible that some greys are more what we would call uh, cyborgs. And have a minimum, minimal kind of awareness because I know that you can't always speak to them telepathically. It's like there's nothing going on in there. So, um, and it's a telepathic universe, Jim. You know, it is a telepathic universe. Um, the vast majority of the beings that people encounter do not need to physically speak. A lot of the times they can, but they don't need to. They are operating at the speed of thought. Which is scary because I don't operate at the speed of sound. So, um, <laughs> so uh, is okay. Another fun question: here. Is everything gray, or is there? I think I've heard blues and greens and. Boy, I have heard all kinds of stuff. Now I hear an awful lot about beings that look very much like us, that are you know essentially Lyrans come from the Lyran system, and that would include. Um, Pleiadians. Um, uh, I've heard. I've heard about the Nordics, who are very much like Pleiadians. In fact, they're probably related, but they're they usually have white hair and blue eyes. Um, I have heard about insectoids that are that are benevolent and loving. I'm serious, man. I am totally serious. There are beings that have evolved out of different strains of of biology that are soulful. And, and, and loving. 
So um, I've heard about reptilians. Some are wonderful. Um, some can be aggressive. In fact, um, when we, if we do talk further about the, um, you know, the um, secret space program and the fact that we have had we have had embedded troops on Mars and the moon and other places since the fifties. And I know that captain Randy Kramer is one of the gentlemen that will, that will talk about this and his experiences, but some of what they did on Mars and uh, was battle uh, subterranean reptilians. That's a lot to process. I mean, it I, is. <laughs> imagine, so- imagine hearing it. <laughs> I mean, you know, imagine, you know, I, I have learned to be completely composed no matter what anyone says. You're doing a lot better than me because I'm, my, 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 I mean, I've been doing this show for well, 11 years like you and I've, I've been in the paranormal for longer than that and some of this still just doesn't, I mean, I've heard it all before, but it's still like, I, when you say Mars, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's so well, far you away to, in my mind. Well, Jim, you have to accept, in a sense, and this is a hard thing for. And I'm an American. It's you know, I live in Canada, and I have I'm a Canadian citizen, but I'm an American. I'm a New Yorker, and it's a very hard thing, even now, for me to accept that my government lies. Oh well, I accept that. And 100%. so you know, this is you have to you know there has to be a little willing suspension of disbelief. Once once you accept that we have not been told the truth, then anything becomes possible. And and it's in Canada, it is exactly the same. For instance, um, I don't know if you ever had the late Paul Hellyer on your show. Maybe you did. He was so lovely. I did not. Um, Disappointed to uh, say that, but oh, he, he was a good guy. He was a wonderful guy. He was, uh, for those of you who don't know, he was a very big uh, Canadian uh, politico. He was a vice premier, and he was, uh, for quite some time, he was um, uh, involved in, uh, God, he was a minister of minister of security. Oh, forgive me. I'm going to get so much bad flack for not remembering. But he was a big deal in the uh, Canadian government, and and before he died, I, I was at a convention with him where I was speaking, and and uh, he told me that to his knowledge, right then, and I'm guessing this was five years ago or so, he said to his knowledge, our Canadian government had diplomatic relations. I mean, full-on diplomatic relations with at least 70 different species. Now, my, my question is, how do we, how do, not we, how do they keep that secretive because that's 70 I would say one one on one right that's 70 different people with knowledge of said events well I think that one of the one of the biggest ways it stays secret is because as you know military personnel are sworn to secrecy and many of them believe even though they don't agree with uh, secreting information they are honor bound not to talk, which is why we get these deathbed things all the time. You know, the guys that are dying that say, oh, by the way, you know, I saw this and this was part of that. So, but I think by and large, anyone who is uh, military is uh, is very much dedicated to uh, protecting the safety of the planet. And their program, I mean, their, their, their party line is that you know, this is the way we do it because uh, we we are to be treated like children, like the great unwashed, like we can't handle it, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. I think the people of planet Earth 
have long been prepared to handle uh, positive ET contact. And uh, I mean, going back millennia into the sands of time. And I think we are the hybrid beings, frankly. We're the hybrids. You know, I think the highest form of life that evolved here on Earth naturally would probably be something along the lines of a Sasquatch. You know, I I think that um, we are, we had help and we were upgraded and we're the hybrids. Well, I'm I'm sure you've heard the... uh the conspiracy about lizard people and all these other things on earth well yeah i don't know about the you know i don't know about the lizard people because from all the historical and from the information and especially the amazing work done by the late Zechariah Sitchin in translating the original uh sumerian cylinder seals and getting you know like the complete story if if this gentleman who was a genius if his translations are are correct then we were seeded by a race that you know we look like and the gods created man in their own image sort of but however the the anunnaki were taller and um they were um and they had highly developed uh, psychic abilities and other things that um that we're just coming into on our own but uh we we are carrying remarkable dna uh there's there is a, a school of thought that says that um those with o type blood are from that original um uh, seeding of mankind that original blood group that type o is the first human blood group and the other types evolved later for various reasons and with various other interventions so um i know i'm i have o blood o negative in fact i'm talking about o negative blood i have o negative blood and uh, so does one of my children and it is quite rare and um i do have to wonder if there's something um wonderful about carrying that um you know, forward, uh, you know, how many years, 650,000 years. See how positive you are, even though you carry negative with you everywhere you go. Ah! (laughs) I'm deflecting negativity. (laughs) I deflected. I'm like Teflon. (laughs) And you're from New York, which, I mean, you've already, you started two in the hole and look how well you turned out. Oh, thank you. Hey, man, I, I there is nothing like my hometown, and I have to go because I'm so homesick. I'm I'm going to go, I think, maybe next weekend and drive down and see some jazz, maybe a Broadway show or two, eat a bunch of Italian food with my husband, and it's going to be great. So I'll get my I'll get my fix. As a matter of fact, I think it's that hot dog water from those <laughs> hot dogs that float around that water. I think that is the secret. That is the key to a long life. <laughs> well, it's the secret to something. We're not going to say what. Though. <laughs> so I looked it up because I was interested. According to the Pew Center for Research, so I want to give them credit for this. Um, Twenty twenty one. Sixty-five uh, percent of Americans believe that there is intelligent life that exists on other planets. Mm-hmm. So, well, we have crossed that. We have crossed that 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 divide now. More than half the people on the planet are open and waking up. And I don't mean politically. You know, I'm not political. I don't mean in that way. I mean a spiritual kind of awakening that makes us understand that we're all one person. I mean, we're all one people, rather. So, there's a lot of waking up. You know, I I think the recent information 
and this is kind of a staggering figure, but I believe that um, now the reports, at least the MUFON reports, are saying that at least uh, 14 million people have filed reports of encounters. And that's, I mean, that is the size of the city of New York, you know? It's that's an incredibly large amount of people, and I think it's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, because how many people go out and look for a reporting group to report their sighting to? Yeah, exactly. Many people are fearful, and 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 you know, one of the things I want to say, the message that I want to get across, I guess, about why I do what I do, is it's not just about curiosity or material for books or any of that kind of stuff. I want to help these amazing people who are experiencers, who are carrying messages and important information. I want to help them to integrate those experiences into their lives so that they don't have insomnia and all of the other things that come with with repressed memories. I'm not sure the ETs totally understand um, how damaging it is for us. Uh, and the way our brain works to have any kind of memory suppression. And I also believe that memory suppression, no matter if it's been done by this secret space program or by ETs, I don't think it lasts forever. I think we are so curious that eventually all of those memory blocks that they may have tried to use will dissipate. And I know that because I get past them every day. And I think maybe people come see me when the memory blocks are done. Maybe it's like that. You know, maybe they're motivated, they're drawn to get the answers around the time that that memory block that's meant for people not to be afraid, that that memory block just dissolves. I mean, implants dissolve after a certain amount of time. We know that. We know that from, from removing them and also seeing them dissolve once they are exposed to air. Um, oh, who's that wonderful doctor? He passed away too, not too long, but he was the very, the guy who was really famous for taking out a lot of interesting implants. I'll remember his name in a minute, but. As I say, in about 20 minutes, you'll remember after we're done. Ah, <laughs> uh, I know. Anyway, there trust you me, that's I, all. I trust me. I have those thoughts all night. I wake up and scribble stuff down, and I wake up in the morning. I'm like, what is that going to be? Already, the show's already over. But uh, <laughs> So you talked about implants there, and now I've got a question for you about those. Are they always – because I, I – again, this is my bad UFO reporting for tonight. I've always noticed they were in the hands or the back of the neck. Is that true? I think they can be in a lot of places, and I also think that they can move. Now, from my own – I guess my own research from what I've heard from my different clients, I I think there are two types of implants going on. I think there is a cruder uh, kind of implant which uh, is used by the secret space program, which may be collecting some sort of data. Who knows? But, you know, the I think what's very interesting is, is you know, we all emit our own unique brain signature which is something that ETs know about and have known about. So they don't need tracking dots. This paranoid thing of, oh, you know, they're listening to me, they're tracking me. I have never seen any evidence of that, any clear evidence of anything like that, except that some implants, it's Dr. Lear, some implants 
uh, Dr. Lear discovered are emitting some kind of radio signal or what what he called a radio signal. There's something going on with some of these implants. Now, I think that um, I think that most of the implants that are given to experiencers by uh, benevolent ETs are kind of like what we would call step-up transformers. I think they are designed to stimulate our pineal gland and the other things that are important uh, if we are to engage in telepathic communication, astral projection, and some other uh, disciplines that are completely part and parcel to how uh, ETs function. Which is interesting because, again, trying to figure out how something that is so non-tangible to me functions is just that two steps up the ladder that I try and wrap my head around, which leaves me speechless, which isn't good for when I'm supposed to be talking. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to make you speechless, (laughs) but I do. But yeah, I think this is an important point. I, I, I have not seen anything negative from, from implants. Either they dissipate. Sometimes I've, uh, some of my clients have had a little tiny, like a, BB type deal that appears to have been in the in the sinuses, but then will fall out eventually. Now I had one client. Oh boy, this is fascinating. This gal, um, I think that she had been really targeted. I think her father was involved with um, different. I don't want to use the word maybe espionage, but different secret programs um, in in the government. And she and her brother had both had experiences. And she had a tangible implant that was on I, it was on her upper left arm. And remember I said I could feel it. I could feel it under the skin. Mm. I've had some. This was one of those where I could feel it. Now, the other interesting thing about this implant is it was magnetic. You could put... It, 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 you could put some kind of metal thing, light metal thing, and it would and it would stick there. So there was some magnetic uh, property to this implant. Now, at the time, um, I was working with a um, a guy who's now a director at um, uh, Gaia. His name is Sid Goldberg, and and Sid was making a documentary about this whole implant thing, and he and he was able to get financing so that. They, we sent her to Montreal, and she had a surgeon remove the implant, and we had it um, studied. And it was indeed anomalous. Um, some of it was calcification, which is what happens when anything is under your skin. But I think the main, uh, the main core of it was metallic in some way, but perhaps not an identified um, metal that we would find on our on our planet and i know that the scientists who did the who did the analysis with the uh, spectrometer and all that said it, it's it's a question mark we don't know what this is we don't know okay. but it has metals and it has a kind of a shape it has a shape an ovoid shape it's not made of body tissue although there was some calcification but it was not made of body tissue so go figure. I mean, it remains it remains a great mystery. Well, one day we will crack the mystery. Yes. So okay, let's let's go back to your practice here because now I'm fast. Now I'm interested in this. So let's just say I don't. I haven't had one, but let's just for the sake of this conversation, say I had an experience with uh, an ET. Mm-hmm. 
and I call you up and say, hey, I kind of need to rehash this because mm-hmm. I need to understand, and you know, all, all the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Questions I don't even know I have, but I, you know, I have because, you know, because I'm that kind of guy. So how does yeah. that work? So I call you and I'm sure you have a process. I just don't get, to, you don't say, well, I have a 930 tomorrow. No, not at <laughs> all. It's like, it's like I said, I do. If, if I can, if it's possible to meet with the person before we do a session, I will do that. But with, you know, with everything we went through with COVID and what have you, that that's not as common as it was. But I, I always have at least one in-depth, in an intake I will call it. And I ask people about their history and their health and 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 I but above all I listen. And uh if if I feel that the experience is legitimate and should be explored, um I will I will express that to that person and I'll let them think about it and um and then a certain percentage of those people will come back to me having decided to have the regression. Sometimes people just want to tell their story, but they're still too fearful to explore further, if you know what I mean. Oh, I, trust me. I, I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they don't. But, um, you know, I do my best. Once, I, once I've really uh, honed in and I know what's going on with that person, I do my absolute best to make them feel safe and comfortable. And um, they can either come see me at my treatment space or I can work on Zoom. And I didn't think it was possible, but I got to tell you, it is. Um, I do it all the time, not by choice, but because it was born out of necessity during COVID. But it also allows me to work with people in any location, right? Yeah, so so that definitely open, bad pun, open things up for you. Absolutely opens things up. It allows me to to reach more people and help more people. Because remember, a lot of the times... Jim, when experiencers come to me, especially lifelong experience experiencers, which most people are. In fact, I believe that I don't believe there is anything but lifelong experiencers, but that's another conversation. But um, these people have sometimes, you know, I mean, they've really been victimized by the they've been through medical tests and MRIs and maybe they've been through you know, psychiatric processes and medications. And very often they will have, you know, some kind of a chronic thing going like IBS and, and, um, they, and they don't sleep and they have terrible nightmares. They're afraid to go to sleep. They sometimes are very, uh, agoraphobic or, or, or antisocial. So it, um, I, I am sometimes in, in mental health care, the last chance Texaco, if you know what I mean. They've exhausted all other medical um, uh, interventions, but still the issues persist. And and maybe they've even been to a psychiatrist who says, well, there's, you know, uh, you're not mentally ill. I'm not sure what's going on, but you're not mentally ill. So this is often where somebody is at who comes to me. And I can also say that the majority of my clients, I do get some younger ones, but the majority of my clients are in mid middle life, midlife. So there seems to be a point of reckoning that I was talking about before where maybe certain memories start to pop through and, um, you know, but that seems to happen more commonly 
in midlife. Maybe it's because we're many of us are so busy with our families and careers in our 20s and 30s. I'm not sure why it is, but I do think it's part of the maturation process and part of being ready to accept accept the person, the people that they are and the unique people that they are. So I referenced earlier, I've been doing this shows for years and tonight's number 600. Set this, this up the long way by saying normally when I talk to an experiencer, A, they're either down one path, right? They're either ghosts or Bigfoot or, mm-hmm. or aliens. But on the other hand, there's the trifecta people, right? Who've had all three experiences. I have yet to find somebody with two out of the three. Uh-huh. But there's a bunch of people with three out of three or one out of three. I couldn't agree more. In fact, if you were to ask me, Jim, what is the great commonality that experiencers share? Because I got to tell you, it's, I mean, it's all kinds of people from all kinds of cultures and religious backgrounds are having these experiences. It is certainly not confined to any one type of person. Uh, different educational levels. I've got some people who are highly functional, who are like judges and attorneys and doctors, and I have some people who can hardly get by on public assistance. So it's a wide gamut, but the one thing that they all share is psychic ability. And I think, again, we come back to the issue of communication. Now, I will compare it, say you're Jane Goodall, and you're in in the middle of Africa, and you've discovered a new type of uh, a new type of ape or bipedal being, and maybe four of those bipedal beings have an epiglottis and can form words. Now, wouldn't you spend your time working with the beings that could communicate? And I think that is what's happening. It, this is all about communication and the speed of thought. And some people are have, we all have psychic ability to a certain extent, but it's like musical ability. It travels in families. It travels in genetic lines. And I believe that is the commonality and that is what the ETs, most of them, are looking for, beings with whom they can communicate. I think that's all. I think that, well, let's just pull this back a second. I think that's who we're all looking for. Yeah. Human-wise, I mean, at the rudimentary yes. level, we're all looking for people to communicate with. Yes. That is a soul desire. And we are in the same, with these beings that visit us, we're in their soul group. They're feeling some sense of responsibility for us. And yet I think they want to still see us do it ourselves. So guess what, citizens of the world? We have to put on our big boy pants and big girl pants and realize that we are all one. We have to eradicate hunger. We have to feed the people. We have to feed the people of the world. And we have to stop blowing each other up. That's it. (laughs) So, (laughs) last last fun question. I got one one more serious question and then one fun question. We've got about two minutes. So, just, just be aware. Um, are there aliens who guard and protect certain people? I believe so, because I believe some a large percentage of human beings are actually working and 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 sharing and communicating with beings, and and uh, they live a kind of a double life where they function as humans in their straight world, and then in the night they're either taken or they astral project. So yes. And the last, this is the fun question: favorite breakfast. 
my favorite breakfast. Yes, that's what I'm talking I about. I love I love the full English breakfast. Or I call it the ugly Canadian breakfast. <laughs> so it's some couple eggs scrambled, some bacon, uh some rye toast, um home fries, maybe a couple of pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I hate, I hate, you know, this question came from, uh, came from a listener months ago and I've been asking it for months and I don't know why, because all it does is make me hungry. I know. And now I'm starving and it's 10 <laughs> at night for me, for God's sake. And I for understand. you. Yes, I know. We shouldn't be eating. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'll finish this glass of water and pretend it was pancake syrup and we'll call I'm it I'm going to do the same thing. You can't see it, but I have a giant <laughs> thing of water here too, designed to help with this very problem. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Leslie, I appreciate you tonight and, um. Be safe, Elder. Thank you, Jim. It has been a joy to talk with you, and I would love to come back anytime. You just give me a shout. Sounds good. All right, man. And there we go. So I just want to take 30 seconds here. And uh, tonight's 600. It kind of snuck up on me. I wasn't paying attention. I, um, Germantown Runner will tell you this. I really, truly don't pay attention to those numbers at all. Um, so I just want to take a minute and thank everybody for tuning in through the last um 11 12 years whatever it is so yeah it's just been a wild ride and we'll keep after it so I, i'm humbled to be here still so we're just going to keep going it's the Mallard report yeah the Mallard report hey i want to thank you for joining us it's been a good show tonight i hope you enjoyed it take a few moments subscribe share all the fun stuff you know how to do it i don't have to tell you just uh, be ready for next week It'll be sooner than you think. Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Kearns, and I host the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, where I cover the history and culture of England from the departure of the Romans in the 5th century to the Norman Conquest in 1066. So far, we've surveyed the collapse of Roman rule in Britain, the migration of the Anglo-Saxons, and the history of Northumbria from its beginnings in the mists of legend to its destruction at the hands of Viking raiders in the 9th century. I hope you'll come and give it a go.